This is the Ed Milet Show. Randall Pitch, welcome here, brother. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Cameron, this guy's become really a cultural icon in the fitness and apparel business. This is all part of the journey of winning. It's like he wasn't a millionaire when he was 20 at Long Beach State, right? But he was he was making deposits in himself, right? Like you're all these investments you were making in you through experience, through the grind, through just doing stuff. You would hear like there's noise, like someone was killed, there's gonna be retaliation, and you'd literally be thinking business is gonna spike. Yeah, me and me and my buddy Bruce were like, dude, we're gonna be busy in the next couple of days, man, because this person got smoked, they came in, made a bunch of shirts, but we know this other person has a green, green light on them. Sure enough, oh it my sucks, gosh. but he, he, he dies like a week later. Welcome back to Max Out with Ed Milet. So excited. I've got sitting next to me here today, the birthday boy. And um, this gentleman right here has become really, I was telling him off camera, this guy's become really a cultural icon in the fitness and apparel business. And so many of you that are seeing the shot right now already know who he is. But if you don't know who he is, I want to start off by introducing to you one of the real leaders on social media, real leaders in the fitness industry and the apparel industry. And really for young people out there too, somebody that gives hope and inspiration because of his background. So I'm so excited this guy's here today. We've been putting our calendars together to do this finally. So Randall Pitch, welcome here, brother. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. By the way, happy birthday. Cheers. We're drinking a Thank little. Thank you. Yeah, it's my birthday. We're drinking a little whiskey. Yep. Hope you guys don't mind that. This is not right. our first drink, but we're still in a good state of mind to give you a good interview. So yeah. Thank you for being here, man. Of course, of course. I appreciate it. So Randall is the founder of Live Fit Apparel, including a whole bunch of other brands, but most of you will know him from Live Fit. I can't go to a gym anywhere I go in the United States without finding somebody who's wearing your gear all the time, man. So congratulations for that. Thank you. In Thanks. the first place. So he's built an unbelievable brand, and we're going to talk about how to do that because I know there's a lot of young hustling entrepreneurs out there, even older hustling entrepreneurs that want to know, you know, sort of how you've done what you've done. So. Right. But I think probably, I think the reason Randall's brand is so appealing is because it's the story of Randall. I think you are the story, you kind of are the brand to some extent, even though I know you've built this culture and this community. So I think it's important for everybody to know a little bit about the story. So Correct. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up kind of lower middle class, but and so I know where you grew up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Randall grew up in Long Beach, and so there's two Long Beaches, by the way, everybody out there. Right. There's like the Queen Mary Ocean Long Beach, and then there's like the LBC Long Beach, which yep. is like East Long Beach. Yep. And that is not all picket fences and bubble gums and rainbows, just so you know. And so you grew up in a pretty rough environment, true? Yeah, yep. So tell everybody a little bit about you know, just your upbringing, kind of how you came up, your family life, you know, community, that kind of stuff. Just set the tone for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I, gr I grew up on the east side of Long Beach um, where there was just a lot of gang activity, a lot of poverty there, a lot of Section 8 housing going on, and I was part of that, yep. you know. Section 8's government housing, everybody. Right, there right. you go. Um, my mom came over here um, as a refugee from the Khmer Rouge, the genocide. She survived. Mm. So she came here with my dad, and they divorced when I was three. And I, I don't, I'm not like a sad dude when it comes to the yeah. divorce, because I understand it because for those out there in our, the Cambodian culture, yeah. the marriage was arranged. It was an arranged marriage. It was an arranged marriage. Okay. So I, like, if my mom didn't like my dad, then so be it. But That's the way it is. My though. dad was always there, and my mom was always there. It was just two separate things, you know? And by the way, just real quick, stay on that yeah. for a second. 
people don't it's just historically because I read about this before I knew you but right when he tells you the Cambodian genocide, you're talking about literally millions of people, right? I mean, you're talking yeah, about... Yeah, more than the, the Jewish genocide. That's unreal. Yeah. I mean, it's unimaginable that we're, your mom fleed, your mom and dad fleed just to get to this country. Right. I just want to say one thing to you about that, too. There's all this conversation in the world today about immig immigrants. And, and I was going to tell you something. I, I, I can't stand the demonization of immigrants because you and I both know some of the most hardworking, loyal, patriotic people in the world yes. are people like your mom, right? Yep, like exactly. They're the hardest working people in the world. So I just want to say that to set the tone because I don't think you come to become what you've become without your mom. Exactly. No, you know, is that she, true? Yeah, no, she survived so I can do this. It's amazing, you know, So I can get this freedom and live the life she never had yeah. so she can see that and live through me. Did your mom, you know? when you were... did. I bet you didn't, but I'm just curious. Did your mother ever like talk to you about being better than her or having a better life? Was it ever was this just like survival all the time? It was kind of a little bit of both. Really? But it was just always do better. Go to school, do better, and that's it. They didn't mm -hmm. really talk about the war. They didn't really talk about no and it's and this goes for the whole Cam Cambodian community that lives here in in the States. Okay. They don't really like to talk about the war. I don't know what it is. Hmm. And all the younger generation can relate to me for sure. Hmm. But it's it's now it's they're, they're opening up when we ask them these questions. When really? we're a little bit more grown up and really dig into our own history and try to learn, yeah. when we ask questions, then they open up. But besides that, I don't. I think they just want to sweep it and throw it on the rug and it's like, hey, that's the past. No we don't kidding. want to talk about it. Yeah. You guys are free. Live. Do you think it's? That's interesting. So yeah, if you ask, weird. she'll tell you now. But when you were coming up and you're living in a really rough environment, she's not sewing into you all these stories from no, back home. Never. She didn't. I, I think it was maybe the parenting of of what they thought was right or yeah. it was good. Let's not scare the the children hmm. of, of the, these past history or, you I don't, know? I don't even know about this, so I'm curious. So do you think it helped you like assimilate into this community, into this culture more? Or were, was the Cambodian community still very isolated in its own community when you grew up? Um, it was kind of isolated, but now it's out there more uh, yeah. with the help of Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Actually, yeah. she helped bring the uh, awareness of the, the culture out. Yes. So it's become more mainstream and okay. stuff as far as like the history and, and what happened in the country. Okay. But, but so um, you grew up with like literally gang activity around you outside the front door constantly. Yeah, like, gang activity. Mexican gangs, black gangs, Cambodian gangs, Asian gangs, everything. Were you yeah. in one or were you never participated? No, I never participated. It was, I, I had friends that I skated with yep. that you either chose to go skateboarding or you go gangbang. So there's two cultures, skate culture and gangbang culture. Yeah, but see, what people don't realize over there in Long Beach, too, is sometimes you don't choose to be in these gangs. You get jumped in from the streets, and yeah. it's like, okay, now you're in. If you want out, then you let us know. You mm -hmm. know, because I had close friends that are in gangs that t told me about this. Okay. So do you I get just jumped, luckily do enough. You get, uh, I want to learn. I want everyone else mm -hmm. to learn. Do you get jumped out, too? Like, if you say, I want to get out, is there a way out? If you want to be out, do you get jumped uh, out? For some gangs, out? I can speak on behalf of, of um, some of my friends that yeah. if you want out, then, yeah, you can get jumped out. You get jumped out. Yeah. Literally just the shit beat out of you out. Yes. Yeah, or you've done enough dirt, which they call it, yep. and then they give you the, then the you free. Get some freedom. Yeah, you're good. You, you've done enough for the gang, and you're good. So how did you avoid it? I just stuck with skateboarding and, and just stayed away from the neighborhoods that I knew were heavily with gang activity. What you did know? you speak growing up? What language did you speak? English. Up? English yeah, always. Yeah. Always. English. Was that was that was what spoken in your house, or did you speak that outside your house? Uh, I spoke it everywhere. You did English. Yeah, my mom spoke to me in Khmer, then I would just respond in English. You would yeah. respond in English. Yeah, I can understand it. And no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so but. you grew up in a really really rough environment, right? And so, 
were you always, this is so, you're talking about an icon here in the industry. You're talking about a, a man who's built, he's 30 years old today, by the way, which I think is a significant birthday. At least for it was for me. I'm like, I'm not a young guy anymore. Like, I'm a man now. I, you're a man before that, and I know you've built this man business, but for me, 30 was like kind of a big birthday. Yeah, it's a stepping stone. It was only 17 years ago for me. So you and I are basically the same age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're basically the same age. So, so you grow up like this real rough environment were you always a little bit entrepreneurial like how do you start into i mean we get to live fit but before we get there like how do you start in like how do you did you eventually like make a t-shirt for something like how'd that start so check this out like okay. on the streets when we were skateboarding a lot of the kids parents were just um they had to go to work like during summer days we would just go out get okay. maybe five bucks from our parents here here and yep. there and i remember literally trying to make money on the side. Like if I had two skateboard decks, I would literally, hey, who wants to buy a skateboard? My old one for 10 bucks. Okay. And we would hustle that. Wheels, so bearings, whatever. Yeah, I didn't okay. know that at the time, but yeah. I would exchange, you know, things that I had extra for some money. You know, I was like, hey, I just make some extra cash. Here's okay. some wheels, you want it for five bucks? All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, straight up. So you're already negotiating, you're already hustling yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Really young. And I was, I was building that very young, and I didn't know now yeah. that that's what it's turning me into, you know? Yeah, so, so there's a little bit of that gene in you, like, somehow already. Yeah. That's interesting. So how's the first, like, how do you, do you, how do you end up making a shirt? Like, how's that start? Like, what, what started that? So the whole, whole shirt thing, like, so I've been in the clothing industry before the fitness industry, far before. Clothing before fitness? Yeah, clothing I didn't know before that. fitness. Okay. Yeah, a lot okay. of people don't know that. Okay. In high school, um, I played in a, a hardcore band. I played drums in a yep. band. And in that period... What's a hardcore band? Explain that to everybody. Um, like, a like, lot of screaming. Okay. The, you talking about like a punk band or like, like my punk, generation? Like a punk, hardcore metal band. Okay. I, I don't know what kind of bands like that can relate to like today terror maybe there you go i don't okay. know yeah yeah okay, okay. but so um, you were a drummer yeah i was a drummer in a band okay. and we already tatted it up when you were young or you weren't when i was 18 yeah okay you got All, your first tattoo at 18 first tattoo at 18. is that because like mom wouldn't let you or like you just yeah. never thought about yeah. it yeah mom you wouldn't know, let Asian you mom's like you get a tattoo out of the family <laughs> like, all right okay. yeah. All right. and then 18 and then okay fully then you blasted. Blew up. Yeah. yeah blasted but yeah for, so from uh being in a band you know you need merchandise and i was yeah. like the creative kid you know i was like hey yeah. let's get some fucking shirts that, yeah. that have our, our band name on it, you know? Okay. So I decided to take a graphic design class in high school. Uh, here this we is go. my sophomore year. Here we go. And that's when I first started learning Adobe Photoshop. Mm. And in that class, they did one course on how to make a t-shirt from burning the emotion to making the screen, literally from like silk screening, okay. to applying yeah emotion, to burning the screen in the red room, to putting on the, the screen on the press and silk screening and then drying it. The okay. whole, the whole, like process. So you're like 15, 16. Yeah, 15 years old okay. doing that whole thing. And I, to me, obviously I was learning it, but I was having fun at the same time. I was yeah. like, I just want a fucking dope design. Yeah. So I was just so concentrated on making the perfect um, design for my band. And then obviously the process came with it because you had to do it. Yep. And then I made it, went to the shows and started selling the merch. At the shows for your band. Exactly. That's that, how it starts. That's how we get money. That's how we get paid, you know? Okay. <laughs> So you're really, I, I, I believe this about you because I've, I've, I'm fascinated with this man, just so you know. Like, I had a little bit of a man crush on him before I met him, and I haven't had that on my show. I've had all these athletes on here and, you know, well-known business guys. My first real man crush in business was you, which is a little bit creepy, but it's true, right? Like, because he's this, he's very unique. Like, he's this jacked up dude. He's built this great brand. Spilling, man. Spilling uh, uh, whiskey all over himself. That means you've had too much whiskey, by the way. I know, way. right? I got him a little loose for you here, everybody. And, but no, but like, because I think you're really probably at heart, I think you're an artist. Mm -hmm. 
Like I think, you know, the fact that you were in a band, the fact that you created, you know, exactly. these shirts, I think you're a creative, brilliant artist. And the results of your brilliance is people love your art, right? They love your brand. They love the look of it, right? I think that's the first thing. So, okay, so you got the shirt gene, you got the shirt skill, right. the art of doing it. Now you made a little bit of money from it. Uh -huh. Where do you, where do you end up going from there? So obviously the band look, the tattooed look, yeah. selling t-shirts. My mom was like, man, what the fuck is this fool doing? What are you doing? What the fuck is this fool doing? So yeah. are you out of high school now and not no, in college? I'm, I'm in high school you're still, still. So you're still back at that yeah. uh, 15, 16 in the band. Yeah, and I'm okay. like, dude, I'm going to be in a fucking band forever. Okay. I'm going to play. I'm going to fucking just do this shit. You know, and my mom was like, nah, you, I think you got to go to school. You okay, know? right, which is good mom advice. Exactly. Right. right. So then at the time, obviously I was, I was in a... Uh, um, in a band, and I, I had friends that were that had clothing brands as well that okay. sponsored bands and whatnot. A lot of guys did that then, right? They yeah, still do it, right? They exactly. got these little brands that kind of are connected to bands and different mm -hmm. things like that. Okay. So then I had this buddy, Mark Atkins. He had this um, this brand that literally sponsored a ton of uh, bands at that time and blew up. Okay. And I've seen this blow up. I'm not, I'm not going to say the name of the brand because he doesn't own it now. And okay. there's a bunch of legal shit that happened. Okay, leave he that got alone. burned. Yep. But my buddy Mark Atkins, a fucking smart dude. Right. Took I know this, who Mark is. Yeah, yep. he, he uh, took this brand in. We were like 16, 17-year-old. And I seen him take it from a small scale to now being distributed into Tilly's, yeah. Zoomies, yeah. all over the place. You yep. know? And I was just like, fuck, this is crazy. Yeah. I was telling my mom, I was like, hey, this is something I want to do. And this is before college. He's like, no, no, no. Whatever, you know. Be realistic. Yeah, and I was working for Mark too, helping him still train at the time. Okay. And then she's like, no, you gotta go to school. So I was like, all right, Mark, you just handle this thing. And then he blew it up. I'm like, fuck. So I, I was experienced to that. I seen my own friend blow this fucking brand yeah. up. So I'm now like, you got an example. Exactly. I'm yeah. like, dude, this is what I wanna do. But since my mom was like, all right, go to school, I decided to take the school route. I yeah. applied to Cal State Long Beach, got in. And then that's when I started studying kinesiology. Kinesiology? Yeah, and get into fitness, okay. trying to be a trainer because that was But all what of I that thought. sort of, this convergence, because this happens in everybody's life, there's like this convergence of circumstance that all end up favoring you, mm -hmm. right? Like, so the fact that you had that example, the fact that you did the t-shirt thing, the fact that you're an artist, now you're learning about kinesiology and the body, all of that sort of, you don't know it, but it's building this right. combination, this recipe that ends up being Live Fit and some other brands, right? Exactly, yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. So you go to college, a lot of people can relate to this, our family's encouraging us to do the traditional path, mm -hmm. which more and more, by the way, in life is becoming less traditional. Mm -hmm. More and more people have awakened to the fact there's nothing wrong with going to college. Christiana and I debate all the time, should our kids, our, my son's a 4-5 GPA, right? Like, should mm -hmm. he go to school? I'm kind of for him going. She's like, he should become an entrepreneur out of the gate. Like, there's <laughs> this. But I think it's great that nowadays there's a debate now. Right. There was 10 years ago, or when I was a kid, 100 years ago, there was no debate. Like, if yeah, you were no a smart discussion. kid, you went to college, you went out, you went four or five years, maybe you went six years, got a master's, you got a job, and you're like in this system that produces average. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, you just kind of end up in that system. So you're kind of trending there, yep. but you got this artistic bug, the entrepreneurial bug. So you're at Long Beach State, and now what? Now what takes place? So when I decided to obviously go to uh, school and college, I wanted to move out, so I was like, all right, man, I gotta get a job somewhere, you know, and I've done- Everybody relates to that. Yeah, I've yeah. done a construction, I've done uh, the, the whole t-shirt, still screening thing, and yeah. then, you know what, let me do something that's in the field that I'm studying in. Okay. So I was like, okay, let me apply to Bally Total Fitness when it was around back then, before okay. it got bought out, yeah, right? Yeah. So I got hired on as a personal trainer. Okay, did you get yeah. certified or no? Yeah, I got certified, okay. I got my AFA, NASM, all that stuff. Yep. And um, at the time too, I don't know why I always leave this out. I was in search and rescue as well. So I was like fresh, I was gonna be a firefighter. I did a lot of shit, man. Wow, no, wow, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I graduated 
Rescue Academy had so the CPR first aid, all that stuff, plus my certificates of uh, training and stuff. So that's why they hired me right, right off the bat. Wow. Okay. Kind of stood out because I was tattooed, had big old holes in my ears at the time. That's where these holes are from. Yeah, they're okay. like, who the fuck is this kid? But I had, I had all my credentials <laughs> right. at the time to get hired on. Okay, yeah. So I got hired on. That was my college job um, throughout college. Okay. You know, because it was pretty flexible. I trained when I had clients, yep. this and that. Um, and then I built a pretty big clientele at Bally's before I went private because I took all my clients from there and then went private so to the So let's gym. talk about that. I, mean, I, was, I was interviewing Bedros Koulian the other day. Right. And he was, he's, a, he's a huge fan and friend of yours, and mm -hmm. I know that feelings are mutual between the mm -hmm. two of you. But he was telling me that when he was a trainer, that was a really important time in his life because the right. type of people you train typically yep. have a couple bucks, right? Yep. And so these people sort of become kind of quasi-mentors. So exactly. is that now... Because mentoring is also part of the recipe, right? So mm -hmm. was that part of sort of the formula of creating you? Like you got the art background, the band background, you've done the t-shirt. By the way, when you're doing the t-shirt thing, were you hustling like, were you one of these guys I would see sometimes once in a while that you're selling t-shirts out of the back of your rig or like, or no? no? I was never force feeding it, but okay. it, whoever wanted to meet up, I'd go meet it. But you I was never like, oh, this is my clothing. No, okay. no I was never have, I'm you, not the you pushy type. Okay, yeah. you weren't that, you're not the pushy type. That's yeah, good to know. Yeah. Okay, because I think a lot of guys think, hey, to, to get, because I'm not either. Yeah. I come from a family like, the culture in my family is like sales guys are almost like piranhas. Like you yeah. don't want to be pushy. You don't ever want right. to make people uncomfortable. I still feel that way. So that's good for a lot of you to relate to that like neither one of us got pushy to push our success mm -hmm. right we got pulley which meant what we had was so good people wanted it to come with us right mm -hmm. that's ultimately you don't win by being pushy you win by being no. pulley yep. it's a gravitational pull right? right so that's why you want so you're at long beach state i want to stay in here yeah you got this background now you're a trainer you're kind of getting some mentoring you're also probably making some money yeah right and so what what takes place from there so this is crazy like Bally Total Fitness actually taught me a lot because it's strictly corporate. It's a machine too. It's fucking, dude, it yeah. taught me to be this the sales savage, dude. Okay, good. I remember my director, she laid out two pieces of paper. Yep. She told me, all right, tell me why this one's better than this one. Mm. I was like, fuck, I blinked out for like a cool 30 seconds, but then I gathered, I was like, you know what? All right, this paper is made up of this type of wood, blah, blah, it's yes. popping in this. You don't want this one, you know? Yes. I, I don't know what I pulled off, but I pulled yep. it off and sold her this this fucking piece yep. of paper, and she's like, all right, cool. Yes. Now do that with your training business okay. because you are, your, your training is this value, and you you know, if you awesome. believe this otherwise, then why are you even here? Wonderful. Okay, you know? I want to jump in on okay. this too. I want to stay with you on this because yeah. there's like, I think that guys like you have so many skills that make them successful. I want you to be aware of them. Another element in any business, so this man's in the apparel business, the fitness business, you have to be able to persuade people, right? Like that's another right. layer that I didn't grow up with. No one taught me how to communicate. No one ever taught me how to persuade. Right. So there was a point in my career where I learned how to do those two papers. Yeah. So that's a huge, don't you think that's a huge, it, it helps you persuade employees to join you, everything. right? Distributors, like pricing, everything. Yep. Persuasion's huge, right? Yeah, so it's huge. you learn that at Bally's, that's interesting. Yeah. You learn that at Bally's. Dude, okay. It was huge because at Bally's it was cutthroat. Once you're off your probation period, if you don't make clients and you're out of here. They, they will, you're not only you're broke, they'll get rid of you. Yeah, they'll get rid of you. You're done. Okay, I and I that. ended up making, not even, being a regular trainer, I was a, one of the elite master trainers, breaking almost like 10K a month for Bally's As at a the young time. guy? As a young dude. There was only like five of them at Do you keep gym. any of the 10K? Yeah, probably like, I don't know, a small percentage of it. Yeah, right, not a whole lot goes back to <laughs> yeah, you, right? Yeah, right? But you're paying your bills at least yeah. while you're in oh, college was, doing that. I was living. You you're know, living was living. large probably yeah. compared to your buddies. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so you're there, you're training, you're obviously getting a lot of business experience, communication experience. Right. Because this is, here's the thing everybody, especially if you're young, this is all part of the journey of winning. It's like. 
he wasn't a millionaire when he was 20 at Long Beach State, right? But he was he was making deposits in himself, right? Like you're all these investments you were making in you through experience, through the grind, through just doing stuff. Like mm-hmm. you probably when you were skating, when you were playing in the band, I doubt you thought I'm going to be a personal trainer no, at Bally's, no. right? No, like, never. Right, never, right? Never. So it's crazy. Okay, so you're there. What what happens from there? Like where do we go? So each so the clients that I met. As I became more of like a, the master trainer, what they called it, yeah. I got, I didn't have to go out and prospect much. So they, they used to make me prospect, like go find your own clients. They yeah. never fucking gave it to you. Right. You had to go close the deal yourself, walk up to strangers. I did all that. I in the gym or out of the gym? Both. 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 Okay. Well, however you can get them in the office. Okay. You know, and okay. sell them on it. So I did so good at that. I built such a, a, a great clientele. And now when the leads actually came in that weren't for me, yes. and that were high paying leads, yes. like these professionals that would come in that, would, that need help, yep. I would get fed those leads and close them on the deal. You know? And in that process, these professionals, like me being a tattooed yeah. you know, minority type of person, it's like, yep. okay, how the fuck do I speak to these guys how without scaring them off? How do you close 45-year-old white male exactly. banker guy exactly. or doctor, right? Because they come in and they have their offense up, you know, sure. they're, they're, or the, the, the red wall, you got to yep. bring that shit down and be able to relate to, to them yes. and see what the problem well, is. I'm curious, everyone's relating to this right now, right? Like, how, what would you do? How would you do that? Was it yeah. asking them questions about them or how asking would you do Asking questions it? and just keep kind of relating wh- why they're here and how I can help them okay. and that I'm not this, this dude that's just, you know, here to sell you on shit. Like, I can actually change your life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So once I learned that, and I'm talking to this, uh, a, a surgeon to a lawyer, to yeah. like at a college student, you know? So I could, was able to maneuver and communicate. That's massive, and, bro. And bring down these, these red wall barriers and connect with them on a personal and, level. And it was basically how you could help them, how you could connect with them. Yeah, exactly. Bro, see, this is interesting. I did all this reading about you. This is the part of the story I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it helps me piece together your success. Yeah. Because I've always felt like, I don't care what the business is. I don't care if you're in the software business. You have to be able to persuade and communicate yeah, to no, people. Yeah, no, for sure. This is, that's interesting yeah, to it's me. It's hard because I've done a lot of interviews here and there, but, you know, when you live life, there's 365 days in yeah, a year. Yeah. There's so much that goes on. I know. Even with just like eight hours of the day that you yeah. can't even explain for you yeah. know, a full two-hour interview. Yeah. You know, so. I'm really glad because it, like, it helps me piece together you because I just I have this overriding belief like you have to learn how to connect with people. Yeah. And, and I've met you. And I think one thing I will just tell you that I, I see about you too is like, I think you have a genuineness about you. Like you're instantly likable, man. Like you're super humble. Like you don't even know how successful I you are. appreciate that. And yeah. I love that about <laughs> you, bro. Like I just, I hope I have that a little bit. Like I don't think you know how amazing what it is you've already accomplished. Cause mm. I think you're in the mid, I think in your mind, you're like still in the beginning, mm. which is huge. I think I'm still in the beginning too, right? Like, and I'm 17 years older <laughs> than you. I still, I still think I'm in the beginning anyway. So you're there, you're training, you've learned to communicate, you've learned to close, right? Mm-hmm. Now you got some mentors. W- what, we're getting close to live fit, but we're not there yet, yeah. right? Okay. And also I assume you're probably still connected to the way you grew up a little bit too, 100%, right? So you still 100%. Got, so you still got buddies of yours getting in some trouble. Some uh, yep. are successful. Some are probably getting even locked up once in a while. Yep, you probably yep. even lose a friend yep. here and there, right? That's killed, right? Yep, I mean, you're in this yep. environment that's, most of us that grew, didn't grow up in it, but grew up close to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's almost like you almost lived in a minor, minor war zone, a minor combat oh, zone, 100%. and you're still connected to that, right? Yeah. At that time. Yeah. Yeah. So w- did you... Were those associate like, were you 
pulled back into that all the time, or were these new associations kind of sculpting you and shaping you at the same time as you still had your kind of your your homies from home, from where you grew up at the same time? Not at, at the time, like it, there's that stereotype where like the gang activity is like heavy and they'll, they'll pull you in. Like no, once you get to like you a certain level, yeah. And the guys that are still doing it, they respect you as like more of a friend. Like oh, okay, yeah, yes. what's going on? Man? Let's catch up. And then after they're that, proud of you almost exactly. to some extent, right? And then yeah. when you're done hanging out, then they'll go back do their thing. You do your thing. You know, okay. it's kind of like we already lived our separate ways. Because when people do the dirt stuff, that's when we're young, young. You know, yeah. And once you start making real money and making a living, yep. everyone respects one another. You know, it's my other friends you know. who are athletes who come from those environments too tell me that there becomes a transition where they're like really rooting for you and proud of you yes. that you come yeah. from where they come from. Yep. There's some truth to that. Yeah, no, yeah. I even asked these guys. I brought one of my my, my friends as like one of the OG gangbangers yeah. head like shot caller and he came down to the warehouse and he was so proud like yeah. he, he, could gen he was yep. genuinely proud because yep. he has a family of his own he's like dude I'm fucking yep. you know I think a lot of the things <laughs> too from these communities because I, I think Long Beach is part of your story I think it's always going to be mm -hmm. I think being Cambodian is part of your story mm -hmm. but I don't come from that kind of a community, but I have many friends who do, especially the athlete guys, especially, by the way, some of them from Long Beach. Mm. Long Beach Poly is like one of the great football, oh, yeah. basketball schools in the, yep. in the country, right? And I think that sometimes a lot of the people that grow up in those communities, at least my sense is, their, their actual family isn't intact all the time. Mm -hmm. And so there's almost a family relationship to the community. Like they're yeah, all rooting 100%. for you. Is that yep. true? I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I can relate yeah. for sure. I think there's a lot of people out there that are just like literally proud and rooting for you yeah. all the time. Because there's people you. you see every day that I used to skate with or just hang out with like on the streets. Like like they almost become family just yeah. because our actual families work and are doing something to yep. put food on the table, you know? And I think that's part of the success of your brand. Yeah. I think that the great brands now, and we're going to get into that in a minute, they're not just communities or cultures. They're almost like a family of mm -hmm. people that all sort of support the same culture, the same way of thinking, the same thought yeah, processes. For sure. I think that's what you have, brother. Yeah, 100%. I do. I think it's almost like a family. I don't think it's a, I think brand is like minimizes what it is. Like the people I know that wear your stuff, like they're proud of it. Like yeah. a dude you grew yeah. up with. Like they're, they, it's not like, hey, I, when I meet guys at the gym that wear your stuff, they're aware they're wearing it. Like once in a while people walk up to me like, hey, nice hat. I'm wearing some clover hat. I'm like, is that what I'm wearing? You know, it's nothing to me, right? But when guys wear your stuff, I'm like, hey, I'm about to interview that dude. They're like, oh, bro. Like they go right into it. They know they're wearing it. They're proud they're wearing yeah, it. That's, yeah. it's, it's like a family brand. It's like, and by the way, that's huge yeah, that's in crazy. business. Okay, so let's get into it. Bally's. Yep, yep. You end up eventually, how do you end up getting to where you have, you like start a store or something, don't you? Like Yeah, so. Okay. Um, after Bally's, uh, obviously I realized like, I was making good money, but I'm like, dude, I can make a little bit more if I left and, you know, went into private training. That's private personal training. Private okay. personal training, okay. yeah. So running my own business, okay. training multiple clients at one time, running boot camps, maximizing my time and All right. money, you know? Okay. So I learned that actually looking up uh, Bedros. Bedros, the boot camp idea. Exactly. Okay. His business model and all that stuff. So okay. this was before he even knew who the fuck I was, you know? Okay. So I, I, I took that model and literally fucking nailed it to the T. I was in college making way more fucking money than uh, anybody, anybody I knew yeah. around me, and I was like, "Fuck, what am, fuck am I doing?" You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I just kind of was doing it for my parents at the time. Yep. So I stayed stayed doing that, and then this random opportunity came up with uh, my buddy Bruce Soth. He he owned this T-shirt store in in Long Beach off of Molino Anaheim. Okay, called, not not a good area, by the yeah, way. Yeah, not a good area. It's right. fucked up over there, and it's yep. still fucked. Yep. Um, he still owns it. It's pretty good. Yep. Or oh, he he does pretty well. 
but it was like a shop that offered just like five or ten dollar like blank okay. t-shirts or you'd make like custom one-off shirts you know okay. that people go in and buy yep. and to sell like so Dick, retail. dickies yeah okay. retail store okay um and at the time he gave me this offer to like buy into it i was like all right sure so you're entrepreneurial then okay so yeah. you buy into a t-shirt store in a pretty rough area where you grew up yeah because okay. i seen the but people would just see like oh, that's a fucking rough area i yep. seen the money because in over there in the hood what yep. do people do every morning this is a trip every morning uh they would go in our regular customers and buy a fucking a brand new white t-shirt every morning they don't wash it so this is maybe something new you gotta learn they yep. don't wash their it's their pro 5 t-shirts okay so just buy a new one every day every day yeah. And throw it out. Yeah. Buy throw it out on the next day. Yep. So you'd have like regular traffic, like someone's going to a Starbucks to buy a cup of coffee. They're buying a white yes. T-shirt from you. Yep. I, I never knew that. You. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. It's the weirdest shit that. when I tell people, I'm like, yeah, okay. no, that's why when you see like, you know, some some like gay main dudes that wear a white T-shirt, they'll still have the crease just from the, the I packet. Was, I was going to stupid. I'm like, how does this guy have such a beautiful <laughs> shirt every freaking time? So yeah. that's why. It's a brand new shirt that's worn once. Exactly. We just open it. Okay. So that's why that location works. That's why like it's actually a pretty damn good location. I was like, Cool, and you knew that because you grew up in it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yep. Okay. I'm learning a lot here. Okay. Yeah. okay. So then with that, um, I got uh, obtained the, the t-shirt store with my buddy Bruce. And then I wanted to do this whole Long Beach brand as well in there. I was like, oh, I think I can sell some cool fucking Long Beach logo stuff because Long Beach has a lot of pride. People within the city like to rock, Yep. you know, Long Beach. So I started making the designs and created this um, uh, LB clothing brand and fucking it took off in the store. People would just come in. Inside and, the store. Inside the store, okay. yeah. And I obviously started market, marketing it on like Facebook and, okay. and MySpace at the time. There was no Instagram so, yet. So there was, you were already dabbling in the social media deal, which yeah. is huge to your success yeah. now, which we'll get to. But okay, yep. so you're now you're, were your training clients wearing this stuff or this was like a local brand thing? Uh, into what stuff the so the 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 in your store the shirt you were selling in your store that you created right was that mm -hmm. a, was that something your the people you trained wore or like local dudes would just come local in dudes okay, yeah local Long Beach dudes. dudes yeah okay yeah okay. but then over time when I was running my private training business I had all this graphic design skills I had all these other like video editing skills photography skills I I had my training business as well okay I was like okay I'm gonna design some stuff for my clients hmm, what can I what's a catchy slogan okay I was like all right lift it. You're kidding me. Yep, so I fucking designed. Are you serious? Yeah, this is how I started. LiveFit started for the people you were training? Yep, Mamba clients. So I had RP uh, RP Fitness, and then okay. my slogan was LiveFit. So I just made this collection of like a, a t-shirt design and a black zip-up hoodie yep. that we still sell today. Okay. That were the first, um, I guess, line that was offered to my clients first. So wow. then they started wearing it, and then I, at the time, there was only, what, uh, Facebook? Yeah. So... I was like, all right, this is fucking cool. Let me film this, you yes. know, when we're doing like boot camps or group training, because everyone's having fun and everyone's wearing the same shirts, this and that. And not only did I post it, but because they were my clients that were part of the, the community or my training business, they wanted to post it too, because they were wearing the shirts. Like they wanted to show off to their friends, like look what I'm a part of. So it just kind of went in viral in the local community. And then it just snowballed from there, because then people were like, Okay, I'm not training with you, but I want that shirt. How do I get it? You're kidding me. Yeah, so then it kind of just. When was this? Snowballed. What year are you talking about? Probably like 2011. Okay, 12, so you're like, yeah. all this stuff we see today that everybody does is acceptable, which is film their brand, make it yeah. fun. You did before most of everybody back. was doing it. Way back. What made yeah. you think to do How did you know to do that? I, don't know, I just thought that shit was cool. <laughs> you thought it was cool? Are you that was kidding cool. me? I was like, hey, man, this shit's tight. I want to fucking, let's film it, you know? You know that that's genius, right? Like, I that's. Guess. <laughs> no, no, not I guess. You, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, I was so, always like 
a marketing person. Yeah, like everything, you are. everything. If you wanted to look at my brand or whatever I'm about, I wanted to make it look as cliche as it sounds. I wanted to make it look perfect or make it look cool. You know. So how do I do that? I think I'm gonna film this. You know, and show oh my up, show up my show my friends what I'm doing. You know that I'm. You know. And it went so. a little bit viral through their posts and them wanting it. Then people who don't train with you want a little piece. Yeah. So you have that going on the sort of viral social media virtual world and you have this physical store that you're selling local stuff mm -hmm. to as well right mm -hmm. tell them the um tell them real quick like because i didn't know this and you would get business spikes at this store through tragedy almost right oh, yes. like, like the, and i want people to understand this because there's uh, there's this there's all these brands that are massive that are what i i don't know the right word for it but i'll just call it like urban driven or city driven or mm -hmm culturally driven brands right that a lot of people don't understand whether that be even like music like jay-z or we were talking about damon john earlier with fubu like like or um uh, what was russell simmons brand baby fat right or these other brands like mm -hmm. so you would have a spike in business in your store and in your shirt when what type of stuff would take place when murders would happen when yeah, murders would happen it was just uh, why like i said there's heavy gang activity so one of the things we did too were just one-off custom shirts. Yeah. And a lot of that was rest in peace or in loving memory of. <coughs> because in gang culture, if someone dies, what happens usually? They, they retaliate or whatnot. They retaliate, but they also make some, they make, I didn't know this, there's like rest in peace shirts. Yeah, yeah they'll make rest in peace shirts just for the, the, the lost ones, the loved ones, you know? So you would hear like there's noise, like someone was killed, there's gonna be a retaliation, and you'd literally be thinking business is gonna spike. Yeah, me and me and my buddy Bruce were like, dude, we're gonna be busy in the next couple of days, man, because That's bananas. this person got smoked, they came in, made a bunch of shirts, but we know this other person has a green, green light on them, and we're like, fuck, all right, he's about to die, and then sure enough, oh it my sucks, gosh. but he, he, he dies like a week later, and we're just, you guys, I, it's I, just I, that, you know, that cycle of, yes. of bubble, yes. dude. That's amazing to yeah, me. And wild, so, man. so you, what an unreal story, yeah, by the yeah. way. So. I'm curious. I don't. I don't know this. Like, so you have this store. You got your. So it's interesting. You got all these things going. So you're training. You got this culture going. Where now Live Fit starting. You got the store. Guys are coming and buying their shirts every single day. Plus someone dies. Business spikes because you're making those shirts. Plus your normal brand that's local. Plus the mm -hmm. other stuff you sell. Like, do you ever get? I don't know. I always think about this. I go into when I'm driving home from L.A. back here. Right, or when I was even a kid, I'd go uh -huh. out and play baseball at uh, Long Beach or Long Beach State. I go to a game there, or I go to, a, or even uh, Cal State LA. You know, you drive back from there, you go get gas at a gas station. You grew up in Diamond Bar, where I go. It's like, <laughs> hey man, this is a rough gas station. This is yeah, a rough. Yeah. I'm, I'm more careful, right? Like yeah. I go into where you grew up. And did you ever get robbed? Uh, yeah, actually, when I was, they'll rob you. They don't care what fucking age you're at. I was, I think, 13, 14. It was on 11th and Temple. It's funny you yeah. ask me. I was with probably 12, 12 of my friends just hanging out yeah. um, in front of my buddy's house. And these two Asian guys, they're Cambodian as well, because there's 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 two gangs in Long Beach that, okay. or uh, two Cambodian gangs, okay. and they beef with each other too. Okay, still um, to this day? Yeah, still okay. to this day. Um, there was this, these two gang members, they walked by and they looked at me, they're a little older, and like, I was like, that's kind of weird, you know? Yeah. How the fuck did it look? And they walked to the end of the block and then they decided to walk back. I was wearing this gold Buddha necklace, I didn't know at the time, you know, my okay. mom gave it to me, and then- Your uh, mom gave it to you? Yeah. Okay. And then these two guys came up, and then one of them, the second time they walked back, he took a knife out, put it on my neck, and he snatched it, and all my friends were just like, we, we kind of just knew. We are like, yeah. fuck, all right, fuck we do, you know? Yeah. I even called my friend that was mm. in, in that gang, too. I was like, hey, man, can you get my fucking necklace back? Mm -hmm. My mom's going to fucking kill me, you know? Mm -hmm. She's going to beat my ass, because that's just what, yeah. if you get jacked, they're going to get mad at you. Yes. But 
then they're like, nah, dude, I can't. If they're just doing that, that's just part of the work. And I was like, fuck. Did you right. ever get it back? No, nah, never. Back. Then it was funny because when I went back home, I guess I never said anything to my mom, dude. This is weird. I never fucking talk about this shit. Yeah. Um, she never asked where the necklace was, and it was fucking years later. I was like, hey, mom, you, you remember what I yeah. thought? She's like, I knew you got robbed. She I was knew. like, fuck, are you serious? She knew. Yeah, because she's. I was like, how oh, you know? She's like, she just knew. I, I guess I was too quiet or something, or yeah. you know. But your, your mom, <laughs> but we're gonna get into live fit now. But your mom's like a central piece of your life, huh? Yeah, no, for sure. You talk about your mom a lot. Yeah. Why? Like, what? What? Why is that? She was probably like the only person that. Now, now that I realize when I'm older, yeah. she gave me everything I wanted, even though we didn't have the fucking funds for it or the mm. means for it. If I wanted new skate shoes, she would buy it. She'd I, find a way. When I was young, I didn't know what the fuck housing was. I didn't know what section mm. eight, I didn't know what food stamps was. I knew you buy this fucking food and this greenbacks, you buy other shit. Yeah. That's what my mom said, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But I didn't know. I thought that was fucking part of life, right? Everybody had that. Yeah. So, you. And then everything I wanted, skate shoes. Uh, fucking wheels, whatever it was. I was like, Mom, I'd have to fucking have it. I was that dickhead kid. You yeah. know? I was like, I fucking have to have this shit. Dude. Right. Not, I'm fucking not cool, whatever. So was I. You know? yeah. So she'd fucking make it happen. She you know? found a way. You know, so now I realize, like, I'm like, fuck, dude, if I was about to beat my ass if I was looking. Yeah. You know? What's so. amazing that y'all don't know is that now that Live Fit's built, one of the first things you do when you got money was you took care of your mom, retired yeah, your yeah, mom. Yeah, retired right? my like, mom, yeah. Now she doesn't have to work, nothing. Yeah. That, Got in her spot, she's chilling. <laughs> that makes me, that's that's my favorite part of your whole, I, all yeah. the wealth you're going to make, man, all the cars you already have, you're going to sell Live Fit for a couple hundred million someday or whatever you're going to do. The, my favorite thing about it is that the first thing you did when you made some money is you took care of your mom. Yeah, like 100%. I, and that's, everyone watching this, like it's one of their dreams, like wouldn't you love to take care of your mom? All the stuff you went through, being robbed as a kid, I'm pretty sure your store probably, I don't know, did your store ever get robbed or almost robbed? Try to get robbed, yeah, man. Try to get robbed, yeah. And one time we talked about with, uh, with on Andy's thing, man. What, dude, hap- what happened there? I don't know about that. Some guy tried to buy a, a t-shirt with a fake $5 bill, this Mexican dude. Okay. And he was just from a gang that just didn't like Asian people. Okay. So I was like, fuck, So dude. he comes in your store with a fake $5 fake bill. Fake five, tries to buy it. Right. And I'm like, dude, I can't I can't sell you this. He's like, why? Because I'm a donkey? I'm like, no, nah, dude, because this is a fucking fake $5 bill. He's, I think he was all drugged up. He was like, yeah. dude, I'm going to come back and fucking kill all you guys. Kill all the fucking nips. That's Ugh. what they call us, nips. Mm. And then I was like, fuck, I knew he was serious. I'm like, all right, man, fuck this shit. Oh, my gosh. So then my buddy, we had a shotgun. Um, in the store? In the store, yeah. He had a shotgun and a Glock. But... We fucking had, we loaded the shotgun, cocked it back, and just had the safety on. That's how fucking sh- scary the shit was. Oh my gosh. And my friend Bruce was like, if this fool comes back, just point that shit that way. You don't have to aim, just fucking point and shoot. It'll fucking blow the whole <laughs> whole fucking window off. I was like, oh, fuck. Were dude. you scared? I was scared as I was fucking about to shit my pants, <laughs> oh my God, but I was ready. Dude. That's the thing. I was fucking ready, dude. I was like, all right, this fool comes back. The whole back, day you're ever to walk through the door, yeah. you literally have a gun right next to you. Under the keyboard. Just yeah. like, just get this, everybody. So we, we're going to segue now into where he is now. But like, just so you get this. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. On some level, I am and I'm not. What's, what's, been, what's happened now is the modern-day Nike. It's the modern-day Nike came from this. Do you understand that? Like, when you go Google him or you research him, it's the modern-day Nike. It's like... It's like you're, and by the way, I think you're more viral and innovative and creative and have a more loyal following than them. So you're talking about somebody who grew up in a band, skating. He drops out of Long Beach State, just so you know. I mean, like, pretty close to graduating. You probably could have graduated if you went, like, what, six more months or something, probably, right? He leaves Long Beach State. He's in a store where he's getting robbed with fake $5 bills. His business would spike initially when people were killed, right? 
and he ends up building this modern day massive brand. So just think about what you're capable of when this man's done this. And there's this combination of unique things you've built. You've got this artistic, I think everyone who wins in business takes advantage of some birth blessing and then builds skills after it. Mm -hmm. So like for you, my analysis is you were born with a birth blessing of, of artistry, of creativity, right? Like you, skating's an art to me. I skated mm -hmm. too, so skating's an art. Playing in a band is an art. Creating these designs exactly. you've created is an art. I think at your heart, you're an artist, but that's not enough. Then you learned how to close. Then you got some mentoring. Then you learned to be an entrepreneur, which you already had that kind of desire because you come from nothing, so you mm -hmm. want to make money, right? Mm -hmm. Like scarcity, I want more of this. Exactly. World-class mom who sows belief into you and love all the time. Like just loving a child like you were loved by your mom gives you confidence. Like even as I say that, just so you know, badass tattoo guy, your face just changed, right? Mm -hmm. When I talk about how much your mom loves you, right? Like yeah, yeah. that's the... When you, you, the story of your life, and you're, you're engaged in this beautiful woman you're gonna marry, the central figure of your life till this moment is your mom. Mm -hmm. She's the one, if I turn the pages of the book of your life, is your mom, right? Yep. And so I love that, bro. Like, and your mother went from like, I've read about like, like literally no food, eating like anything she could find to yep. eat, right? Like, is yep. that not true? Like, yeah. your mother would like, what would she do? Like to eat, like Dude, literally. I remember the story because I asked her. Yeah. I remember her her mom, my grandma, during when they were at the, what do you call the labor camps? Yes. Because they only get fed one time or twice. Mm. They would try to get, they see a fucking lizard, she would snag it and Probably. fucking like kill it and put it in their pocket and then later distribute it to the rest of the kids it's, later it's, just so they can eat. I've, I, yeah. I've, I heard that. Knowing though that yeah. if they did get caught, execution right away. But it's like fucking eat or fucking, you know, survive every day. Isn't it amazing that yeah. your mother, that bro, like. No, it's and, fucking and her, trippy, dude. And her son becomes this. Yeah, like, it's wild. I just like, I, I hope people listen to so like, if this is possible, what's possible for me? Or my children, right? Like, or my future, like your past, your your upbringing, your, the, the, the tragedies you've gone through, they don't define you. Like, look what this man's become. So we gotta fast forward just because of time. Yeah, Okay, of so you're in the shirt store. I know eventually he buys you out because exactly. things are blowing up. Yep. And now LiveFit's taken off. So mm -hmm. now you're a businessman. Now, and here's what happens once you're there, just so you all know. Now you're riddled with like tons of false starts. You thought you had a business, then you didn't probably, yep. right? Yep. You thought yep. you had a business, then you did it. So when do you like, is there a point where like you hired your first employee for LiveFit? Like yeah. when was that? I think from 2012 to 2013, that was when I sold the the t-shirt store. Okay, so we're not even off. talking that long ago. Yeah, no, right. LiveFit. So you're like 25-ish, like somewhere around there. Yeah, 25 was with the birth of my first, like when uh, LiveFit became an LLC and LiveFit Apparel established in California. Crazy yeah, yeah. man, crazy. Yeah, so okay. that was like about six years ago. Okay. Um, I was operating out of a small ass fucking like warehouse, probably like a thousand square feet. You okay. know. Okay doing a lot of shit by myself and then having um, just a help from a few friends okay. and then officially hired on like, we didn't even know what the fucking role was, you yep. know, just people to help do this and yep. this and it just grew from there, you know? Grew. And I, from that point, from 2012, 13 to now, we had the most craziest fucking growing pains. You know, we dealt with yeah. other shit that I never thought. Like what? Just We just, Close the report of the, the the federal IRS and the California state there tax audit. We I've finished nothing, yep. so we're fucking clear of right. that. But that's a stressor. Yeah, we've yep. dealt with um, uh, 
patent trademark trolls and just fuck, yep. dude, a lot of legal shit that was just like, man, I can't believe this is even still legal, you know? Yes. Learning that that route and then um, dealing with uh, ex-employees and just people frustrated that are Frustrated people, frustrated, haters. Yeah, yeah, frustrated people. Litigation, probably, Litigation, whatever. you know? Yep. I had a fucking employee... We, we, we terminated her because yep. of um, disruptive behavior, yep. spreading rumors about another employee. Yep. She turned around and tried to claim that we, we fired her because she was a lesbian. We're right. like, what the fuck? Right. And, and to fight a civil case in California is, is pretty really hard, you know? difficult. So we're like, are you fucking serious? But yep. luckily we had a lot of the backup yep. and, and, and paperwork to, yep. to say, no, she's just fucking lying, yep. you know? And there's no way owning a t-shirt store prepares you for that, no, right? No and way. this is what everyone, <laughs> this is entrepreneurs, listen to me, okay? This is what stops most people. They hear these things, they think, well, I don't know about how all that stuff works. Nobody does, okay? What happens is you just get into these situations and you navigate through them. Now, because I'm a person right. of faith, I actually think God just will prepare you once you're in it. Like, you didn't know what the litigation, you probably didn't even have a lawyer back mm-hmm. in the day, right? You started to have a lawyer, like, mm-hmm. this is my lawyer. So no. it's like, you. the way business works is you just keep stepping into dark places and eventually figure them out. And then right. there's another light and another light, and then there's a setback, and then there's another light. And it's your guts, okay? It's your courage, it's your drive, it's your dream, it's your mission that takes you through these things you know nothing about. I've had the same things. It's like, I know nothing about these things, right? Mm-hmm. So you create this thing. Let's talk a second about what's caused it to grow. Because we know what some of the obstacles were. There's, And by the way, the bigger you get, the more obstacles. So what do you have, like 30 employees now? So roughly yeah, 30 employees. Okay, 30 exactly, employees, yeah. which is a big business. How big is your facility now? Not 1,000 square feet. Uh, 32,000 square 32, feet. 32,000. So in yeah. five years, you 32 times yeah. the size of your business. Yeah. In times of just the square footage, right? Right. Imagine this, you guys. Think about this for a minute. And it started in Facebook, kind of that in Realm. And, and let's talk about this for a mm-hmm. few minutes. Okay. What are some of the keys that's grown LiveFit? What, what, what would you say the number one key was? Man, there's so many factors, but yep. if I were to choose one, yeah. I'd just say the relatability of like the culture, so you know, that, that generation of, of, of people that are into fitness and into that, but still like surfing, like skating, and are still into like that, that subculture a little bit, yep. you know what I mean? Yes. So it's like a safe haven for them to relate to because before we were even here, there was no brand that was really offering that. Yeah, Nike does skateboarding, this and that, but they don't they don't target like that 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 real that real experience, you know? Correct. So, so this is the lesson. Because I agree with you on LiveFit. Mm-hmm. This is what I've started to find. I found this in my own business too. 10, 15, 20 years ago, you could have a vanilla brand that was just kind of something and you had sponsors, and I know you have sponsors too. My bet is most of the business you generate is not from your sponsors, from your athletes. It's from you. Yep. It's from the culture, yep. okay? Yeah. And so now, this is great news for all of you. Little guys can win big time against big guys now because people don't just buy products. They buy cultures. They buy environment. They buy mission, okay? The big thing people buy is mission. What's this stand for? What's this about? What's this represent, okay? What's this Because re- I see all kinds of guys that wear your brand that didn't grow up in Long Beach, man, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. But they love what it represents, right. right? And so you obviously have a lot to do with that for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. So just elaborate on that for a minute. What is? What do you think it represents and how important is it that you're constantly feeding that to people too? Are you conscious of feeding the what it represents, the culture, the mission of the company? Yeah. How do you how, how, do you think about that often and how do you deliver it? Like we're, with me and like my team of athletes, we're, we're fairly, you know, I, I'd say on the younger side of yes. of, of the realm, mm-hmm. and when we preach like the whole um, 
fit lifestyle, eating healthy, living healthy. Yep. We're not blacking out the, the other dark side where we like to have fun. We like to have a few drinks. We like to yeah. do this and that. Like to still go to fucking hardcore shows and mosh on yep. fools, you know? Like have fast cars. And, and have fast cars and have fun, around you know? You or whatever. Like there's like this, this, this culture where, no, I can do all this shit and still fucking live a healthy life. Yes, you know? yes. So, and that's what we're, we're, we're pushing. And, and yeah, I am always aware of that. So, And you've done it through social media a lot too, right? right. So so here, the first thing is this. If you're going to grow your business, you're going to grow your brand, one of the core messages has to be, this is what I want to get, at, this is what I want to tell you that I noticed about you. I'm going to yeah. give you something I've not heard someone else tell you. Okay. Okay. I think that there's this culture, there's this environment, there's this mission, and then there's this like iconic figure who represents it, which is you, okay? All of that's wonderful, mm -hmm. okay? And I think it's a huge part of it. But this is what I think all companies that have exploded, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or Amazon or you or my buddy, I'm wearing his shirt, Andy Frisella at First Form. Yeah. Yeah, they have a guy that represents it. Let me tell you what they're great at. You ready? They're great at telling their story. They're great at telling a story about what they represent. So it's not just the representation, it's telling the story. So there's a story behind all of it. You're an amazing storyteller in addition to your art. And I mm -hmm. think the way you tell the story is essentially through social media to some extent, yes. right? So we're gonna talk about this. If you have any business, financial, I don't care if it's tech, whatever it is, if you're going to grow it, it needs to have a brand. The good news is the brand can be the story you tell, okay? So I wanted you to hear him on this for a minute. How important has social media been for you and how do you tell your story through it? What are you conscious of when you tell the story? It's, I mean, the social media is very important and yeah. then when I tell the story, I can tell it through artwork, through designs or just like a, a simple marketing campaign, Okay. you know? Like let's say we're shooting this product that we just launched like or the, the spring line whatever yeah we were marketed with um, lifting weights and like skateboarding at yep. the beach and whatnot and why is that lifted because yep. that represents a little bit of my life past you know okay. and when we talk about it it's like I can't lie about this stuff because this is stuff I've already lived you've lived it you know so when when I'm talking about the, this campaign or the California lifestyle surfing skating mm -hmm. like I'm not lying you know yes and I just feel people feel that it's more real that way because so they can connect to a certain you know a certain extent I watch you tell a story with pictures better than anybody on social media mm -hmm. by the way if you don't follow Randall on social media number one place you should find you is what probably Instagram Instagram yeah Instagram yeah. if you go look at his stuff not only should you consume his stuff because it'll inspire you but it's going to teach you if you have any brand anywhere he's it's like a mosaic. It's like an art form, the way you, I think you're even detailed about like the way you take your pictures. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Are you conscious of every single little thing like Everything, that? Everything, dude, I don't know, I can't turn it off. Yeah. You can't turn it off, <laughs> yeah. If you go watch his stuff, you're gonna know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I when I watch you, so I'm a 47 year old, a, a Italian white male who now lives in Laguna Beach. I didn't uh -huh. grow up in Laguna Beach, right? But and I consume your stuff because it inspires me. But it's like every time I come see you, it's like a leather little part of the same story I'm hearing and it pulls me deeper in every single time. Mm -hmm. So if you were listening to them and someone said, hey, well, how would I use social media to grow my business? What would you tell anybody, vanilla entrepreneur out there, here's some advice on social media, what would it be? That's a good question, huh? As far as marketing or? Marketing, or branding, um, uh, utilization of it, should they begin to, should they be conscious of their messaging, their storytelling? Like, a lot of people use it to like, okay, here's the deal of the week. We uh -huh. both know guys on there's like, here's the new deal, 20% off, 50% mm -hmm. off. I don't see mm -hmm. you do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I, no. I see you, uh, this is one of your strengths. I think you just, it looks to me like you're telling a story every time and you, one thing, man, you do well, you don't even know you do well, you stay <laughs> on message. Like, your message is your message, is your culture, is your brand. So, 
I'm not giving away your answer. Yeah, yeah, no. But for like, sure. what would you say? There's all these. There's a 18 year old entrepreneur out there who's in the financial business. Uh -huh. There's a 35 year old entrepreneur out there who's like, hey, I'm trying to get off the ground. My um, I've got a product that cleans windows, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? What would you tell them about social media and you, should they use it and how should they use it? Well, one of the things that we use to leverage our business is to show the behind the scenes too. Mm -hmm. Like we're delivering a culture every single time and it stays in unison. It's, uh, I've explained this prior yeah. to, to a couple of guys that yeah. I asked. Um, it's always themed out. And let's say we're taking a picture and the whole set is done, you can tell they're completely five different pictures, but you can tell Lift It took it. Yes. You know, see, because it's all themed together. Yes. You know, so it's until you break out and, and want to really, really expand, I would theme it out and really engrave that, that theme into, into your brand first. Wonderful. You know? So building themes on social media is important. Mm -hmm. Keeping never, it consistent first. I, okay, you know? I've never, I never heard someone say that before, actually. So that's, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I, actually, that's good for me. <laughs> okay. I don't know that I do that very well, to be honest with you. I think I kind of skip around a lot. So you're building themes. And so social media has been a really key component of the growth of your business, too. Yeah, for too. sure. Okay. You connect to authentic, um, authentic customers, you know? Yep. And for me, here's like a, little, a cool little shortcut. If you're yep. starting a brand and want to put out a shirt, I, this is one thing to test the market, or one thing I do to test the market, is okay. create a template of a design. Okay. I didn't make the shirt yet. I just render the shirt up and okay. make it look real and put it up okay. and see the feedback. If people liked it, okay. all right, I'm gonna probably make the shirt, but if I didn't get any good feedback, whatever, I scrapped it, it didn't cost me anything. How do you get the feedback? You put it up and ask for the feedback? Yeah, you, now now it's even easier. You put it on a poll on the fucking story. Yes. Like, do you like the shirt, yes or no? Okay. You know, or you can um, have other people post it for you or whatnot, but okay. yeah, it's you can get honest feedback without throwing money into the actual shirt. You okay. Know? Okay. So, so one is building themes on there. Now let's talk about the other thing you've done. So you've grown it through part of it is through social media, part of it's through your culture. Right. Okay. Then there's just like the growth of your company. So, how have you scaled it? Like, how have you been able to scale the growth of the company and still stay like financially solvent, not getting too big? How have you navigated it? Did you just learn that as you went, or how have you done that? So we've built um, what went out had enough or actually I, we started sponsoring people too in the okay. beginning because I was in the bodybuilding industry as yep. well I was doing physique and stuff yep. I never went pro okay but I can tell from looking at you <laughs> obviously you were doing that yep because uh, lift it started taking off I had to take more time to focus yep. on that but there were people that I wanted to sponsor one mm -hmm. of our first athlete Tori Woodward he's an IFBB pro okay. and first-time Olympian Wow. Um, we just sponsored him like, hey, I don't have any funds right now, but I can, I'll can. i pay you later. Yeah. But here's some clothes Good. to, to rock. And he he genuinely liked it, so he wore it on his back. Yes. And he started pushing it on his social media. Mm. But instead of like what brands do nowadays, feed fucking 100 people clothes, no, I still wanted to keep an elite, like maybe five people max. Very. And just fucking push that and have them push it. I'm like, hey, this is Lift Fit, and it's hard to be part of this team. Very I always good. made that very clear too, that to be part of Lift it, it, it ain't easy, you know? This mm. is like an elite tier group of people, mm. you know? And that's what we market. As you, as you can see now, with Lift it, uh, on our page, you only see our athletes being marketed, you know? We, yes. we, we rarely post models you do. in there. Yeah, You're right. it's just always our athletes because we want to just give like the audience, like, man, I want to be a part of that. Now, how can I, you know, you yes, be associated I, with I that. I think that every business, I don't care what it is, recruiting people, attracting people, clients, you have to maintain that air of exclusivity exactly, to a degree. Yeah. If you're just sort of, I don't want to use this word in the wrong way, but if you sort of hoard your brand out to everybody oh, where anyone yeah. can get access, there's no value to it's it whatsoever. Yeah. Right? But yet, 
the brilliance of what you did is you have to get attention for your company too. And so mm -hmm. it is going to people who already have some, what I'd call like heat, mm -hmm. they have some heat and getting them, people do that with me right now, right? They're like, they'll send me things like if they're smart, like if I could get him to wear this or I could get him to say this, just a little bit of heat for their brand because Grant Cardone talks about this all the time. We're in an era now where you gotta get attention. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that you've been able to maintain. So you scaled it, you grew it. Do you have any other things you're doing? Like is LiveFit your deal or are there other, are there any other brands you're involved with or any other things you're doing at all right now? Yeah, LiveFit's like my bread and butter, but, yep. and that's like the umbrella corp. Um, but we have a, another brand too as well called Top Threads. Yeah. And that's more of like a streetwear brand. Okay. That can't, that is like a represent, representation of me outside of fitness, you know? Something I can just, solely like me. Does you it know? look different? Yes, completely different than LiveFit. Yeah, it's, it has nothing to do with fitness, nothing. It's, we got jeans, we have like cool thermals, like, okay. you know, like this is one of the, the hats right here. I like that, you know, But it's more of a... He brought me some gear today, so you'll be seeing me wearing <laughs> some of it because it's beautiful. I wear it because it's good looking, right? So are yeah. you going to do anything else? So you got that brand. Mm -hmm. Is that is that the main two top thread and then... Yeah, I would say those are the main ones right now. Okay. And then I have like, um, it's not a more of a brand, it's more of my personal brand with these posters and canvases that I Is that I RP or no? Yeah, RP. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how I knew that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm watching your stuff too much. I'm like a fan, right? I'm telling you. <laughs> so take these entrepreneurs through this real quick. So basically you leave the shirt store around 25, now you're 30. Mm -hmm. Okay, just let them hear one thing. Forget the artistry, forget the branding, forget the genius of what you've done, forget mm -hmm. the culture. Let's talk about work. Yes. How much do you work? A lot. All the time. Give me an example. Like, yeah. what's like? I, I get the feeling like you're li live fit. It's funny, but like you're living live fit. Yeah, I, you got to do that for a window of time in your life, exactly, right? Exactly. So, yeah. what's it like? Like, do you work six days a week? Are you on? Are you thinking about it all the time? Like, when do you turn it off? And I know you have fun because that's part of the brand. Yeah. But talk about your work ethic, man. Because yeah. I know you're a horse. You in, work hard. In the very beginning, it's like it's it's yeah, like you said, you don't turn it off. You know, and you need to ask these guys. Our phones are always on. You know. Yeah. Because I always need content I always need this and that and yep. it doesn't come at just like a nine-to-five you know I need it sometimes at eight o'clock in the morning sometimes yes. at ten o'clock at night you know yep. it never stops and yep. the ideas that come you're like fuck I gotta jot this shit down or else we forget yep. on the car ride here me and Miguel we were just talking about like dude all right, we gotta film this business and I just told him I was like all right dude these, these are fucking great ideas let's fucking write it down and knock it out because if not we're just gonna keep talking about it you yes know? but as far as work goes we're always working you know but we make it have we have fun you know that's, that's people, the only way to go and the way to do it that's what people need to hear like I yeah. work all the time just like you do and it's like but it's fun as I'm working like yeah. I work with people I love right and like yeah. like I, I get I watch you like I already know like if it was Sunday at four o'clock there's something live fit going on somehow in your brain all the time yeah. right Saturday at three o'clock yeah. Monday morning 6 a.m. Wayne Dyer by the way Mike grab that stuff for me for a second will you for Randall I think I, I ran in one time I was you know Wayne Dyer is he's mm. passed away He's sort of a, a thought leader, uh, inspirational speaker guy. He's passed away. And I was running on the beach one time with him. This is such a great lesson you just gave everybody. I was running on the beach in Hawaii really early, like 5 o'clock in the morning one time. A lot of people listening to this that are older than you will know who Wayne is. And so I ended up running right by him, and we ran right by each other in the dark almost, right? He's like a Tony Robbins kind okay. of, but like more new agey, I guess is the way ways that say Wayne. Beautiful man. Anyway, I run into him. And I ended up, I said, Wayne Dyer. And he goes, hello. And we end up sitting on this beach in the dark till like sunset talking. I'm like one of these icon guys, I'm talking to him. Yeah, yeah. And I told, and he said something to me that was what you just said. He said to me, he goes, 
I, um, he goes, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night with like an idea, like a business idea? And I said, yeah, like two or three in the morning. He goes, that's the universe waking you up with the morning breeze. And he goes, get out of bed and write. Write it all down. Don't think you're going to remember. You have this too, because yeah. you think about oh, it. You 100%. wake up at two, three. All entrepreneurs out there listen to this. You wake up at two, three, four o'clock in the morning with ideas, and you all oh, remember in the morning, or you write one word down. He said, "No, nope. get up and write it out every." Because he goes, "That's where your like divine inspiration is coming from." Most of the great ideas I have in business happen between like midnight and six a.m. And I wake up and I write. Do you have any of that stuff happen? Oh yeah, no, Live for fit sure. wakes you up. Yeah, Dude, I figured all the time. It. I have like fucking random notes in my notes section of just random shit. Yeah, it might not even make sense, but there's a little clue. I'm like, I'll piece it together. Like, oh, okay, sweet. Uh, me you too. <laughs> me too. Like, I think this: your obsession becomes your possession. Yeah. And I just think you're obsessed with this. No, for sure. We're addicted to the results that's gonna happen because one result we're like, we fucking celebrate. Like, fuck, I want to celebrate again. So we're just gonna work ten times hard to try outdo the previous you know like our campaigns like we cheers every time we fucking have a drink after a successful launch which is like every fucking week i love like, that yeah we outdid this one last year well here's so. what happens this is why this is so brilliant man like if you don't celebrate your wins with your team if you're just grinding all the time with people your brain starts to think it's not worth it right but if you celebrate the wins as you're going your brain goes let's do more of this let's make it bigger because the celebration will be bigger yeah. i yeah. just watched your five-year celebration deal you spent some money on that oh, thing yeah. by the way right yeah. But like it looked, you, you can go to his Instagram and see some of the videos from this stuff. But it's like, I loved it because like everyone around you is like, this is fun as we're grinding, as we're winning, as we're building something special. Yep. Here's what I think you're doing. And I just want to share this with you, man. I think you're watching in front of you what American entrepreneurism is today, right here. I think you're watching what it looks like today. Randall is the face of the future, except it's happening in the present. There are millions of you out there that have something in common in some way with Randall, whether it's his upbringing, his desire, his artistic ability, his closing ability, his ability to think out of the box, to scale the business, his willingness to jump in in the middle and not know everything and grow his company, right? The way he uses social media. Dude, I think, I just think you're amazing. I, I, it's one of my favorite interviews I've ever had because it's like, you're the real thing. Like, you interview a lot of people that are all theory. You're all real <laughs> stuff you've done, brother. Like, you're only 30. You're only freaking 30 years old and you've done this. You're gonna watch this man go to 100 million and 200 million, and then somehow LiveFit's gonna morph into some other thing. I just have this feeling, this culture, this following, is gonna get bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. I'm Like, I'm proud of you. Appreciate that, man. I'm really proud of you, man. Shit. I really am. You're, you're this amazing interview. Anything else you'd impart? So entrepreneurs are listening. I got an interview with Ed Milet and Randall Pitch, and I got all this value. I've, I heard his story. I'm inspired. I've got some tips and keys. Milet asked him at the end one thing, and Randall said what to anybody that's out there? Would they have a dream or a vision? What would you tell them that are listening? That if you're going to go do it, do it with 110% and make sure you have passion into it, because if not, might as well just throw that out the bucket, you know? Yeah, you can, yeah. I love that. You, you have to fall in love with that process, you know? Mm. So, you mm. have to love it. <laughs> you have to live it and love it. Yep. Great advice, you can't half-ass business. You can't, you gotta love it, it's gotta be your passion, it's gotta be your purpose. And with that in mind, I asked Mike to go get this. You heard me a few minutes ago. I actually had Rob go get it, as a matter of fact. Mike's filming us. But it's your birthday, dude. Yeah. So I know you don't need a lot of these, and neither does the guy bring it out. Wait till you see the guns on this guy. But I want to <laughs> wish you a happy 30th birthday. There's probably a candle in here somewhere, but I'll let you blow out one of these at the same time. So let's everybody say happy birthday. You're 30 years old, uh -huh. brother, so happy birthday.
<laughs> and we'll have a cupcake as we click off here. By the way, I get this one because these are really, right. really good. But happy one. birthday, brother. Thanks, man. And hey, thank cheers. you. Cheers, man. <laughs> little little whiskey and a little cupcake for his birthday. I hope you got value out of this today. Thank you, brother. Yeah, appreciate my, it, one man. Of my Thanks for having me. One man. of my favorite interviews ever. And so, everybody, listen. If you enjoyed this interview today, go follow Randall on Instagram at Randall Pitch. You're going to absolutely love his content. Get involved with his company, LiveFit. Get some of his apparel. Start representing his gear. And make sure that you rank and review this podcast or like it and comment on it depending on the platform that you're looking at it out. Max out, everybody. God bless you.